This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Here's an alarming statistic. Black women in the U.S. are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. And the situation is even worse in Chicago, where black mothers are dying at twice that rate. The Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act would help close that gap. But it's facing an uphill battle in Washington. The legislation is tied to President Joe Biden's $2 trillion social spending package, which remains at a standstill in Congress. So joining us now for more on the issue is Dr. Dakesha Lewis. She's the medical director of obstetrics and gynecology for Advocate Trinity Hospital in Chicago. Hi, Dr. Lewis. Welcome back to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Jamila Taylor. She's the director of healthcare reform and a senior fellow at the Century Foundation. That's a progressive nonpartisan think tank that conducts policy, research, and analyses. Hi, Jamila. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'll start with you, Dr. Lewis. What do we know about why black women are so much more likely to die in childbirth? Well, Sasha, we know that there are multiple conditions that the risk for African-American women and women of color is significantly greater, um, having to do with multiple factors. Um, and over the this most recent time period, we've really been looking at some of these, as many people have been referring to them, social determinants of health. But we also know that there are predispositions for things like comorbidities in pregnancy, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes. Um, and so those things already put women at a slightly higher risk for the most common um, causes of death in pregnancy, which would be hypertensive disorders and um, clotting disorders. And on top of that, when we look at some of the other resource, access to health issues, and social determinants that directly affect health, we know that those disproportionately affect um, African-American women and women of color. And so when we put all of these things together, we know that that risk is significantly higher for our patients um, of color because, you know, we're already dealing with genetic predispositions and with um, comorbid conditions and um, just are our patients getting good quality health care and have access to all of the resources they need in order to be able to have healthy pregnancies. Jamila, let's pick up where the doctor left off here. I wonder how this presents itself in your research. What have you been seeing? Yeah, I mean, you know, in addition to all of the things, um, you know, that the doctor mentioned, I think another piece of the puzzle here is how, you know, structural racism manifest in healthcare um, to the detriment, quite frankly, of people of color generally, and especially black women when we look at the maternal health crisis in this country. Um, you know, black women are experiencing issues like, you know, not being listened to by their healthcare providers when they express pain or discomfort, um, differential treatment practices, you know, based on the color of their skin, um, as opposed to, you know, the treatment practices that are offered um, to white women. And so, whereas I think it's important to sort of mention some of the health concerns that um, can perpetuate these disparities, I think another piece of the puzzle is structural racism. And we can't overlook that um, or, you know, omit it from this conversation. Yeah. Well, Dr. Lewis, we know that disparities in black maternal health, they're even worse here in Chicago and Illinois. How did we get here? I think there's multiple... And I appreciate the, the addition of talking about structural racism in healthcare because that's part of the issue that we're seeing. Um, when we don't have diverse 
communities of um, providers who are culturally competent and sensitive to the needs of our patients, who understand the day-to-day concerns for patients, whether it be, you know, housing insecurity, food insecurities, um, or just their cultural um, background for how they approach medicine, how they approach healthcare. Um, when we don't address those things specifically, then you get areas where, you know, you do not have providers that patients feel comfortable going to or trust. We also have a specific issue here in Chicago where we're looking at many maternal health deserts. So we have had a situation where many of our hospitals that carry women's health have either had to close their women's health units or the hospitals themselves have closed. And we've seen a huge um, increase in that over the last few years. And so women in our, you know, poorest communities or in our most at need communities are now dealing with the fact that I can't even find a provider in my community, mm-hmm. let alone a provider that understands me, a provider with diverse background or with um, cultural competency who can understand the things that the needs that I specifically have. I have to go outside of my community now to find a provider. And yeah, many what of are, our patients- what are their options? don't have that option. Right. I was asking, what are their options right now? It sounds like none, not many. It's very, it's very few. And that leads to, you know, an overwhelm, overwhelming nature of care systems that are in their community because, you know, they're just not enough providers all the, all the time to see all of our patients. And if the patients are given the option of either have to travel, you know, far outside of your area or, you know, you may not be seen. We're seeing a lot more strain on our emergency department, a lot less prenatal care where we can, you know, address some of these comorbid conditions or address these risk factors. And so we're seeing a lot more high risk with our pregnancies, which leads to more morbidity and mortality. Jamila, talk about how else the the pandemic has highlighted these disparities that black women are facing when they're pregnant. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we're not only seeing, um, you know, more of, you know, pregnant women, um, you know, are at greater risk for, you know, contracting COVID-19. And when you look at some of the research that the CDC has shared when it comes to, you know, the impact of COVID-19 on pregnant women, um, we see that particularly Black women and Hispanic women are more likely to contract covid Um, you know, when compared to white women. And so um, we know that COVID-19 can have an impact on, you know, whether or not a woman is more likely to, um, you know, deliver early. Um, You know, it contributes to low birth weight. Um, So there are certainly a number of issues, not only in terms of mom's health um, grappling with COVID-19, but also the health of of the infant. Um, So that is a, a great challenge. And then also I'll add to, I mean, a lot of the conversation around covid is also centered around, you know, the pandemic recession, um, mm-hmm. which is which is what we tend to call it um, in some of the economic justice spaces. And so we're not only grappling with, you know, as a community, you know, some of the health impacts um, of COVID, you know, on top of other comorbidities that we tend to, you know, be living with, but also the fact that, you know, we are grappling with, you know, working in positions where we don't have access to paid leave, you know, we have seen a loss in childcare for millions of families in this country, um, you know, income inequality, all of these issues, you know, sort of present themselves as a perfect storm when we're talking about, you know, the mothers in our communities that are most vulnerable. Yeah. Dr. Lewis, as she talks about the, the women most vulnerable, I think of celebrities like Beyonce and Serena Williams, who have also spoken out about life-threatening complications when they were pregnant. So being financially well-off 
doesn't seem to matter. Black women remain at a higher risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we're looking at that, you know, looking at, you know, even if you have access to the best resources, there are still components of just pregnancy that pose much greater risk for for African-American women and women of color. And that's where the importance on education, the importance on access to resources, and the importance on early prenatal care um, is really important. And the access to um, tertiary care centers, you know, a lot of our communities rely on safety net hospitals, which overwhelmingly tend to be community hospitals. Um, And so access to tertiary care centers where when our patients do present in a more high-risk situation or more high-risk nature, then we're able to provide them quality care in those institutions, but also have partnerships with our, our other tertiary care centers, with our community partners to help make sure that we're filling the gaps um, when it comes to um, resources and when it comes to providers. Uh, so I think that's really important. And you're right, it doesn't really matter um, what where you live, how much money you have, mm-hmm. um, if you don't have access to the appropriate resources, um, even if you do everything right, there are still a lot of women that are going to be a significant risk. But is there a way to take matters into our hands? Like, what can women do to prevent pregnancy-related deaths? So one of the things that we really would like to promote is preventative and um, and and preconception care, um, making sure that we're optimizing our health prior to getting pregnant when at all possible. So patients should have a primary care provider. We have to make sure that our communities have the resources to provide those providers. We have to make sure that we're providing education for our patients and that we are hiring a diverse workforce so that we can have these culturally competent providers in the community who are able to recognize conditions early. Um, Some of this, when we talk about systemic racism in medicine, it just has to do with not recognizing what something looks like for an African-American woman. What does preeclampsia look like for this African-American woman, which may look a little different for her, you know, her white counterpart? Or what does, you know, when she's telling you, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm having headaches, reading into those things, swelling and and, and weight gain, Mm -hmm. knowing that those are risk factors and that that may appear or present slightly differently for a woman of color than it may for someone else. Um, And so really having a diverse workforce, making sure we're partnering with our communities, because a lot of patients seek their primary care at our institutions like our clinics, um, you know, urgent cares, Planned Parenthood, all of these places, and making sure we're really investing to make sure that our community partners know how to plug patients into appropriate care. They know how to help um, uh, improve the resources, um, provide prenatal classes, birthing classes, um, all of these things. And then we just need to continue to educate our patients, spend time with them, help them understand how to be advocates for themselves. Jamila, now's a good time to talk about the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act. Explain what it is and tell us how it would address some of the issues we've been discussing. Sure, absolutely. So the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act of 2021 um, is a package of 12 bills aimed at addressing almost every dimension of the maternal health crisis in this country. Um, So looking at issues, and again, I know I don't have time to list everything, but um, some of the issues that it covers are, you know, the social determinants of health, um, focusing on the the health impacts of, you know, climate change on pregnancy and childbirth, Um, you know, issues around innovative payment models, you know, ensuring that, um, you know, those who are most likely to experience complications in pregnancy have access to the health care and the coverage that they need. 
um, as well as a whole host of other issues, maternal vaccination. Um, and this new iteration, which was actually, um, you know, introduced in 2021, um, it actually also includes, um, you know, language that would support, um, you know, ensuring, you know, that pregnant women um, and postpartum women have access to COVID-19 vaccinations and treatment as well. And so it is, you know, one of the most comprehensive legislative efforts to date to address this issue. What do you think about the legislation, Dr. Dr. Lewis? Um, I'm really excited about legislation um, like the Momnibus Bill because it does really give a very complete look at all of the things that factor into um, good health for our, our moms and babies. And it actually um, addresses some of the the issues that we have and gaps that we have as far as the perinatal workforce, um, as far as um, bringing in our community partners to help fill that gap, funding to some of these organizations and funding to research to help improve um, figuring out where our gaps are as far as outcomes um, and definitely looking in some of the insurance and payer models um, and investing in some of our telehealth things that may help improve you know access we talk a lot about Chicago and urban areas but a lot of our rural areas are having very similar issues for different reasons having to do with lack of resources Mm -hmm. and so I think looking at some of those telehealth models to be able to help extend access to patients who can't necessarily um, get to a provider and in times when we're dealing with a pandemic and people are sick and they can't necessarily get into an office, making sure that they're still having a relationship and have access to their providers. Um, And so I think this bill is is very exciting. It's encouraging. Um, It doesn't solve all the issues, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are talking about the Black maternal health crisis. My guests are Dr. Dakesha Lewis of Advocate Trinity Hospital in Chicago and Jamila Taylor of the Century Foundation. Coming up in five minutes, what makes a stunning modern office building in Park Ridge stand out from others nearby? We're going to dig into the design details of the main township town hall for our series, What's That Building? So stay tuned. Jamila, as we we mentioned earlier, the, the Momnibus is tied to the president's Build Back Better plan. That's currently stalled in Congress. So what does it mean for the future of this legislation? You know, I am still hopeful that, um, you know, our leaders on Capitol Hill will um, deliver um, for the American people when it comes to the Build Back Better Act. Um, The legislation does include key investments um, to address the maternal health crisis that were taken directly from the Black Maternal Health Monibus. Um, and, And part of the reason why that is is because of champions on Capitol Hill, like, Representative Lauren Underwood um, from Illinois, um, you know, Representative Alma Adams from North Carolina, and Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. You know, they have been key leaders, um, you know, that have been a part of the Black Maternal Health Caucus, which has ushered forward um, the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Bill and being instrumental in making sure that it was included in um, the Build Back Better Act. So I'm encouraged that you know, things will move forward, you know, um, you know, it's typical DC, you know, there are negotiations happening yeah. um, at this time, but, but I'm encouraged that some sort of package will move forward. The first bill in the Momnibus to be signed into law, Jamila, was the Protecting Moms Who Served Act. It was sponsored by Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, yeah. Representative Lauren Underwood. It passed with bipartisan support. Remind us again what that does. 
So the Protecting Moms Who Served Act is a bill that would require the Department of Veterans Affairs to implement maternity care coordination, um, and the VA would also provide community maternity care providers um, with training and support to respect the unique needs of pregnant and postpartum veterans. Um, so the legislation, you know, is the first, um, you know, momnibus bill. You know, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a package of 12 bills. It was the first momnibus bill to actually be signed into law. Dr. Lewis, uh, what advice would you give to women, and, and particularly black women, about how to find the right place for childbirth and the right doctor? I think that, you know, finding a location and a provider that's right for you is going to be a personal um, uh, search for every woman. Um, we've seen recently out of the vice president's office where there's been a new designation for um, uh, birthing-friendly hospitals and um, quality maternal centers who have met the designation for being um, um, excellent places to deliver. I think that's a great place to start for a lot of women. Um, I think doing some research, if you have access to, um, you know, the internet to be able to look, looking at, uh, we find a lot of our patients that go on some of these um, chat boards and things to get an idea of how well the providers are doing. I think that's really important because a lot of that feedback is more so about how did your doctor listen to you? Did you feel like your current concerns were being addressed? Most of the providers that you can go to are medically um, and clinically competent, but it's a matter of do you really feel like you're being heard? Do you really feel like your provider um, was able to understand what your needs were and then address those needs? And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to a healthcare partnership is the trust between a provider and a, and a patient. So doing that research, um, referrals from your family and friends is fantastic. And then if you're not sure, ask, you know, if you have a primary provider, just ask for a referral um, or um, look into who people have been very excited about seeing. Um, but I do love that designation um, out of Vice President Harris's office because at least you're seeing institutions in your area that have give, been given the designation that this is a safe place to deliver and this is a, um, a excellent place for clinical care and then kind of going from there. And I also strongly recommend for women, if you see a provider and you don't feel like your needs are being met, there's nothing wrong with deciding to find someone else or to choose a new provider. In pregnancy, that's difficult because sometimes it's difficult later in the pregnancy to switch, but that's where it becomes important to be getting care prior to pregnancy and to have a you know obstetric and gynecologic home um, before you even decide to get pregnant. That is Dr. Dakesha Lewis. She's the medical director of obstetrics and gynecology for Advocate Trinity Hospital in Chicago. Also with us was Jamila Taylor of the Century Foundation. Dr. Lewis and Jamila, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.